Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. It's been an incredible series, the If Plus Then series. And um, unfortunately, this is the last message in the series. Everyone say, aw. But we're excited because we're going to be on our way to a life of blessing. Amen. Uh, the, the, let's, let's for real, real quickly, let's review uh, the purpose and the heart of the If Plus Then series. Remember, if we put our faith in God's advice, let's read this together. Can you put that slide up for me, please? The first slide. We're gonna, this is the formula for blessing. Let's read this together. If we put our faith in God's advice, then God will channel his power to bring about our blessing. Do you want to live a blessed life today? Amen. This is what we love to do, and this is what the Lord wants for us as well. And the title of today's message is If Plus Then Equals Delight equals delight. Can we, how many of you like a good pumpkin spice latte? You just, you just, you just, my wife brought home, I was at school yesterday and she brought home these apple donuts and I was like, no, but yes, you know, we're just so thankful. The hot cup of hot chocolate, you know, and we're not going to talk about the, why those things happen like cold weather and stuff, but you know, there's just delightful things. And we have to remember that in the kingdom, things in the natural can seem opposite. So sometimes in God's mind, something that is delightful for us seems disturbing, you know? Sometimes we're like, well, man, God, you said this was gonna be wonderful and it doesn't seem wonderful. But one of the things today is we wanna pray, we'll pray in a moment, that the Holy Spirit would give us real spiritual understanding, that he would give us the eyes to be able to see beyond the natural and to see into the supernatural, to see into the spirit, that he would give us the mind of Christ. And so uh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna read here now the next verse uh, in our series. It's Proverbs chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 11. I'll read. You can follow along. We're in the New Living Translation. It says this, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline, and don't be upset when he corrects you. Uh, for the Lord corrects those he love, loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. So we're talking about if plus then equals delight today, but the pathway to God's delight is discipline. Everyone say, ushers lock the doors, okay? <laughs> I'm like, discipline? Holy macro, Pastor Matt, I thought we were going to end on a high note. And, you know, but here's the thing. This is important because, like I said, remember, we think of words sometimes and God actually has other meanings. So real quickly, though, listen to what John Owen, the great Puritan theologian, said about despising discipline from the Lord. He said this. He said, few may fall into the sin of openly despising and rejecting God's chastisements. That's another way to say discipline. But to not esteem them as we ought or as we should and not to comply with the will of God in them is virtually to despise them. Okay, leave that for a second. So this is in essence what John Owen is saying from the 1600s. It's just saying, we, no Christian openly would say, I'm going to reject God's discipline on my life. We wouldn't typically do that. But we may not accept it either. <laughs> And what this great man of God is saying is that it's not just about not rejecting it, but it's about wholly 
embracing this wonderful, beautiful, honestly, deeply spiritual principle of the discipline of the Lord. And you know, uh, we, we can't ignore his discipline. We shouldn't despise it and we, we shouldn't resent God for it, but we must learn to accept it. And that leads us to our if plus then formula for today. And here's what it says. It says, if we accept God's discipline, then God will channel his power and then we will experience the delight of the Lord. Do you want to experience God's delight today? Amen. Put a hand upon your heart. Father, we thank you this morning for the wonderful word of God. And we thank you that it does cut to deep places. It's not only opening, but it is also very healing. Not only does it disturb us, but it comforts us, Lord. And we give you access, Holy Spirit, now to every part of our heart, Lord. We want to continue to walk in this abundant life of your blessing. And Father, would you reorient our thinking around what it looks like to have our Heavenly Father discipline us? Father, even when we hear this word, there might be deep stirrings of the emotions and the soul that might be uncomfortable. But Lord, we trust you this morning and we trust your word. And even though we may be under the surgical procedure of the Lord, we know that it is for our good and for your glory. And so we love you this morning. We praise you. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, here's the thing. So if we accept God's discipline, he's going to channel his power towards us. And we're going to experience amazing delight in the Lord. And, and here's the thing, though. When you hear, I was talking to a friend of mine, and I talked about uh, discipline. He said, what are you preaching? I'm preaching on discipline. He said, I'm not coming to your church on Sunday, but it's okay. But I said, no, you don't understand. I said, this is part of the challenge. There's a negative aspect to discipline. We'll talk about that. But there's actually a positive aspect to discipline as well. And we have to remember when we're opening the scriptures, we want to say, God, I don't want to interpret this through my life experience. I want to interpret it through your experience, Lord. And we have a heavenly father. So maybe when you hear the word discipline, you might actually think of a lot of bad thoughts, you know, Grandma coming after you with a chancla or something like that, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know. Yeah, there's a lot of levels of, of what that might be, you know. Uh, more seriously, honestly, many, many people, the statistics today of those who've come from an abusive background are startling. And you may think of discipline equals abuse, physical, verbal, sexual, emotional. You might think of the word discipline and just be like, I don't even want to hear it because I didn't have, I didn't have a good experience with that. Well, I want, to, I want to challenge you and, and plead with you to not shut down your heart as we walk through this because you have a heavenly father who loves you. You have a heavenly father who is trying to teach you and train you and he's not gonna harm you, but he wants to bless you. Can we praise the Lord for his wonderful love? Amen. <laughs> Last thing on this, one of the, one of the a, a, a way you know you're maturing in the Lord is when your emotions start to get riled up and instead of letting them drive you, you say, wait a minute, why am I feeling that way? And it's not always good and sometimes you don't get the answer, but when you hear the word discipline, we're gonna look at it from what the Lord says discipline is today, okay? So we don't wanna interpret this necessarily through our negative experiences. So in order for us to accept the Lord's discipline, we need to really understand what our Heavenly Father's discipline is like. So first, this morning, the Father uses discipline to train and to educate his children. My child, don't reject the Lord's 
discipline. So this passage, there's actually the same word discipline is used twice, but there's two different Hebrew words. The, this, uh, the book of Proverbs was originally written in the language of the Israelites, in the language of Hebrew. And so it's going to be interesting because in the English language is so limited. You know, you hear one word in this one meeting sometimes, but there's actually one word here, and there's actually literally two different Hebrew words. So the first one I want to look at for a moment is discipline defined number one is the word musar, which is training to improve strength or self-control to gain education and instruction. So this is the positive side of discipline. You might be here today, and you literally might be under the discipline of the Lord, and you've been saying, God, I don't understand everything. What have I done wrong? And the Lord probably is saying, it's nothing that you've done wrong. It's that you've done everything right. So I'm bringing some more discipline to your life. You're like, this doesn't make any sense. Lord. But see, this is not the discipline because of, this is not the discipline of correction. We're going to talk about that in a moment. This is the discipline for instruction. It's we don't put our children in school because we want to hurt them. We don't make them do their homework because we're mean. We make them do their homework and learn because we know it's a discipline for training. It's a discipline to help them become strong. It's going to be help them become really self-controlled. This is the type of discipline we're talking about. Okay? And so just because some things get turned up upside down in our life, sometimes it's self-imposed and sometimes because we made some major mistakes. Sometimes it's because everything's actually going right. Because you're in the good, pleasing, and perfect will of the Father. And he said, I don't want you to stay in the same place you've been for 2015, 16, and 17. It's time to go back to school. I want to train you and help you and make you into who I'm calling you to be. And so if he's going to do that... He says, I'm going to discipline you. You're like, okay, thank you, Lord. Uh, thank you, Lord. So let's look at this for a moment. There's an illustration I want to put up, this picture of a, young, of a young horse. This is from Julie Goodnight, a certified horseman association. This is a younger, newer horse, a colt. There are several things you can do with your colt to make sure he remains a well-mannered stallion. First of all, let me say that in my opinion... There is no excuse for a poorly behaved stallion other than poor training and handling. Very interesting. This is an example of what training and education looks like. So if, he, if, if this cowboy here, I don't know if that's what they call them, cowboys? Yeah, I think that's what they call them. Rancher, we'll call him a horse trainer for the sake of this meeting. If, if he just let this, this little colt do whatever he wanted... That colt is going to become a stallion, which is a male horse, full maturity. And if that horse had not been trained when he's young, you see he's training there. When that horse becomes older, the horse will be out of control. The horse will be wild. No one will be able to ride the horse. The horse, in a lot of ways, will be useless. And so what this professional is saying is there is no excuse for a horse that is out of control because that means that the owner did not, let's say discipline together, discipline the younger horse. And so if you're new to Jesus today, I want to encourage you. Life with Jesus is the best life. Amen, church family? Full of joy and peace and hope and purpose. You don't have to wake up on a Sunday morning in a cesspool of sin. You can wake up with hope and peace saying, you know, Saturday night used to be in a den of iniquity, but now it's in a place of light and joy and freedom in Jesus is the best freedom there is. And we will spend our time with him forever in heaven and it will be perfect. There will be no tears. There will be no pain. But until then, we are still still on an earth 
that the Lord wants to protect us because he knows what's coming in 10 years in your life. The Lord knows all things. He knows what's going to happen in five months in your and my life. And he's saying, I need to get them ready. I need to train them. I need to educate them because there is no excuse. The Heavenly Father looks at our life and he looks with love. And he says, I need to train them. And so how am I going to do that? Discipline. Can we say discipline? I'm going to do it through discipline. Another example of how God uses this is, is he disciplines us and trains us through the school of hard knocks. How many of you have ever been through the school of hard knocks? He said, I know that, Pastor. We can testify all day right here. Okay. We know what that is. Book of Hebrews actually talks about this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. It says this. It says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as enemies? No. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Well, children that aren't disciplined by their father don't have good fathers. But we have a good, good father. And because he's a good father, he's saying, listen, I'm going to treat you. And let's praise the Lord that he's a good father. It's a good thing to praise him for. Amen. And because he's a good father, he's not just going to bless us, but he's going to discipline us. Because he knows it's good for us. But what this says here, this word, endure hardship as a waste of time? No. Endure hardship, you know, as something that just happened accidentally to you? No. Endure hardship as discipline from the Lord. Is it because I've done something wrong? Maybe. But a lot of times, God brings discipline into our lives because he's trying to teach us. We call it the school of the Holy Ghost hard knocks, okay? It's the tough times. Jesus said, in these days, you will have difficult times. He even said this. He said, take up your cross and follow me. Meaning, the cross is not something like a gold chain that just looks pretty and is like you put on when you put your makeup on. No. The cross is a tool of death. The cross is a tool of incredible pain. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross. Jesus had to endure hardship. And what the hardship, God uses it to train us, to grow us, to help us. I was talking with Pastor Jose, and he was sharing a little bit of his journey. And he gave me permission to share a little bit of his story with us today. And he said, you know, what he told me was, you know, when he was, he was coming back from the mission field, Pastor Zane Darcy were uh, in the Dominican Republic uh, for, he's teaching baptism class right now, but we're there for uh, a number of years. And they were praying and God had raised up another pastor and they were able to hand the church off and they were praying about the next season of their ministry. And when Darcy were saying, God, what's the next step? Where are we going to go? And the Lord put Puerto Rico on their heart and God opened up a door for ministry in Puerto Rico. An organization called him and said, you're a perfect fit. We'd love for you to come and to help do what you've kind of done in the Dominican Republic. Had a powerful ministry there. So they said, okay. So they came home. They came back to Chicago for about a month or so to get some of their affairs settled and what have you. And it was during that time that they got a phone call. Like, you know, the phone call where you thought your day was going good and then the phone picks up and it's not good after that. And they called him and they said, you know what? Some things have changed. We're sorry, we know you already left the Dominican and you were planning on coming here, um, but uh, 
you know, we're not going to be able to have you come. So he picked up his whole family and this whole thing. The door was slammed shut. Some doors kind of creak shut. This one was slammed shut. Do you ever experience a slam shut situation? Get your finger caught in it, that kind of thing. It was, it was so fast. He was just so startled. So he, he was like, okay, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. You know, what, 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 what is God doing? I don't know. So he said, well, in the meantime, he, his, his wife, Darcy, was pregnant with her son, Gabriel, and their second child was on the way. And he's like, well, I gotta find work. You know? So he started to apply at all these different places. And the craziest thing happened. He kept getting these, work, these back during the interviews, they say, I'm sorry, we can't hire you. And he said, why? I've done all this stuff. And they would say the craziest thing, well, you're overqualified. It's like, overqualified? I just need to make a paycheck to help my family. He didn't have health insurance. And, and he said the, the final straw came after a couple of weeks. He went to Burger King. He tried to apply at Burger King. He's been in the ministry for years. He's got a college degree, all this stuff. And, he got, and the Burger King said, sorry, we can't hire you. You're overqualified. And it was so crazy that he went home. He was so, and he was so discouraged and so defeated. And he said he just, this had been going on now for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. It had been actually three months that he'd been looking for work. And was enduring hardship, going through a season of hardship. And he said, you know, he sat down and he was just starting to have a conversation with the Lord. You ever have that conversation with the Lord? And he started to complain a little bit. And he said, you know, I started to say, God, I don't understand. You called me out of here and I thought you were going to take care of me. He said, the Lord put me in check real fast. He put me in check really fast. And he began to replay in his mind all of the times that he was faithful. And what happened was, is, is the Lord helped him to see that this was of the Lord. And so he stopped fighting it and he surrendered. He said, okay, God, I trust your faithfulness, Lord. You are faithful. I don't understand, but I trust you, Lord. And he surrendered his heart to the disciplined process of God. Within seven days, he got a phone call. He got a job that was better than what he thought it was going to be. And about eight, within 18 months, God had led them back here to Chicago Tabernacle, and he was pastoring on staff here. Can we praise the Lord for his mighty power? Amen. Amen. And so one of the, it, was, it was incredible because I said, well, what did God teach you from that? Because you were in the school of the Holy Spirit hard knocks, and that was tough. That was difficult. What did you learn from that hardship? And he said, well, God had to teach me two things. One, he had to teach me to, to, to rest in his faithfulness. And then he had to teach me to trust that his word is perfect, which is powerful. And then what's amazing, if, if you're new here, you may not know, the, most of the church does, is that uh, Pastor Jose heads up our prison ministry. He's in Cook County Prison every week, you know, ministering to the inmates there. He deals with some of the most difficult situations of our church. He's, he's like our emergency first responder for helping people in difficult situations. And God knew that he was gonna be in these maximum security areas looking at men straight in the eyes, knowing that he could say, you need to trust in the Lord's faithfulness and you need to trust in the word and the promise of God. Amen. Nobody is exempt from the discipline of the Lord. Once again, let me say it. You might say, oh, I don't understand. Why is God having me go through this hardship? Everything's so difficult. What have I done wrong? You know what? Maybe nothing's gone wrong. Everything's just going right. And the Lord is saying, I want to train you and help you and take you to a new place. Train you and help you and take you to a new place. Amen? So that's the first type of discipline from the Lord, that the Father uses discipline to train and to educate us. Secondly, the Father 
uses discipline. Now, this is the one where we get a, you know, everyone's going to, okay, here we go, to correct his children. Okay, this is the fun one. And the scripture says, don't be upset. Don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves. And this is, this is, this is a direct command. Don't get angry when God corrects you. Don't do it. Because it's an expression of the love of God. So this is the second, the second Hebrew word on discipline that I mentioned earlier is here. And phonetically, it's, it's defined as yokia. And it is this, to admonish or warn forcefully, expressing strong disapproval. So this is what happens when we are on a trajectory or something has happened or we have done something. And the Lord says, I need to correct you. As any good father would, I need to come. I am not approving of this action. I don't approve of what you are doing. I am coming to warn you forcefully. This is not like a, like a okay, you know, you shouldn't probably do that. You know, if your child's about ready to cross the street and they're standing at the edge of the intersection and they're, about, they're like walking into traffic and the mom or dad comes, you know, that's not a really a good idea to do that. No, that's not. This is get out of the street. Okay. That's what this is. This is, you know, you shouldn't go, you shouldn't be in that relationship. It's not good for you. It's like, get out of that relationship. Okay. This is the kind of the forceful correction of the Lord. This is the part that is not the funnest part, but is so important if we want to experience the Lord's blessing. And I will say it, and if you've been serving the Lord for a little bit of time, you can all testify. There comes moments where every single child of God needs correction from the Father. Can we all say amen? Our hearts are prone to wander, the psalmist, the, the hymnist said, prone to wander, prone to leave the one I love. Take my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. It was written by one of the greatest Christians of the last 500 years and he even said our hearts can wander Lord but we have a good shepherd who comes along and says no that is not what I want you to do so let's look at this since we're in the horse world let's go to another horse image this is fun you put this next one up please this is an older picture. This is what it says. Nice thing, this, having to dodge for your life, isn't it? After my treatment, the horse has no longer any desire to kick. So this is a, this is a picture of a, this is a, a, something that was about 100 years old that we found. And now remember I told you the colt that hasn't been trained? Now you have a stallion that's kicking. And this is a story of a horse trainer who had to come in and teach the horse no longer to kick. And he said, even though he tried to kick me, when I was done with him, it was no longer a problem. When I was done training that horse, he not only, he no longer was kicking, he didn't even have a desire to kick. And I was like, you know, that's what the Lord does. The Lord comes, he doesn't just correct external behavior. The Holy Spirit, when he corrects, he wants to change us from the inside out. And a little, little note for parenting here. There's gonna be a couple of parenting notes because obviously the parallels between what our Heavenly Father models is very important for us as parents here as well. And, you know, the, 
parenting from the outside in is sometimes necessary, but it should never stop there. If your child or your young person, they do something and you say, don't do that, that's good. But more, many times you need to say, don't do that, and let me help you understand why. And you know what, why did you want to do that in the first place? And you get the great, you know, sophisticated answer. I don't know, you know, okay. And if they say, I don't know, don't be like, okay, well, I don't know either. And then you move on. No, that's not what we want to do, right? Because as a parent, one of our roles in the Holy Spirit will help us is to get down to what's actually going on. Because we can spend months correcting behavior, but if you have to keep correcting behavior, the question is, what is actually happening on the inside? Many times it's one of three things. It's just straight up sin, okay? You know, you need to confess your sin to the Lord and walk with Jesus. The second one is sometimes there's emotional trauma. Sometimes there's a strain in the relationship. They're upset with you and they haven't articulated it or a variety of things. Listen, talk, ask the Lord. Don't just, train, don't just discipline for behavior, discipline for transformation, okay? That's what Holy Spirit kingdom parenting is. God, help us to shepherd the, the hearts of our children. And that's part of what the Lord wants to do. Yeah, he's gonna correct our behavior, but he's also gonna get down and really say, I don't wanna just get rid of, you know, you, I don't want to get you to stop kicking. I want to get rid of even the desire to resist me, okay? That's what the Lord wants to do. And this is part of the correction. So we don't have a lot of time, but I want to take just a couple minutes and walk through a story in the Old Testament that is probably one of the most infamous stories of the, correction, the, the correcting and the rebuking of the Lord. There was a man in the Old Testament, his name was Balaam. And Balaam, uh, before you put that up, take that off because I don't want them to read ahead because then they won't listen to what I'm, I'm going to set this up. So Balaam was a prophet of God. He was a, quote, man of God. He was a spiritual person, so to speak. He was actually not very spiritual. He was very carnal, very fleshly, very worldly. But he had the position of a spiritual leader, which is very dangerous. If you have a position of a spiritual leader, but you're not spiritual, it creates disaster. But anyway, so what happened was, is um, these, the enemies of Israel came to Balaam and they said, hey, we, we heard you're a spiritual man. So we want you to go and to, you know, say a curse over God's people because the nation of Israel had been in his vicinity. It's like, you know, someone hearing you're a Christian and, you know, their enemy pulls up in your neighborhood and say, hey, you're a praying person, right? You go to that Tuesday night prayer meeting. Hey, I want you to come out and pray an anti-prayer against these people. You're like, anti-prayer? What are you talking about? You know, but that's kind of what was going on. They're like, oh, God hears you, so I want you to curse them. And, 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 and he said, well, I, I can't do that. I can't curse God's people. That's not a good idea. It's not good job security either, you know. Can't do that. I'm paraphrasing. This is not in the Pastor Matt Renault translation. Okay. So what happened was, is then they said, okay, so they leave. A little while later, they come back to sweeten the deal. So now they come back and the king sent them back and they said, listen, okay, you don't want to do it, but would you do it for a lot of money? And the king's going to give you a lot of stuff. So Balaam says, he should have said, absolutely not. You know what he said? Let me go pray about it. So he went and he prays, said, Lord, what do you think? This can pay the mortgage, Lord, you know, and cover a lot of bills. Should I go and curse your people? The Lord said, no, don't do that. And that picks us up in the story here. Look at this. Put that up now, please. God came to Balaam at night and said to him, can we all say if? If the men have come to call you, rise, go with them, but only do what I tell you to do. 
So Balaam rose in the morning and saddled his donkey and went with the princes of Moab. But God's anger was kindled, meaning stirred up, because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey and his two servants were with him. So hold this here for a second. So this is a very important if. God, in essence, was saying, and all, Matthew, Henry, many commentators, they all say, God told Balaam to wait. And if they come to you, meaning come back to you in the morning, they were staying in another, they weren't in his tent. So waiting, saying, if they come back to you in the morning, then you can go with them. But Balaam didn't wait for them to come back in the morning. Balaam was the first one out of bed saying, payday, payday, payday. <laughs> and he got up and he went you know, and, and, off, and off they went. And listen, God was angry because he didn't obey him. Not only was he angry because he didn't obey him, but because there was an undercurrent of greed. The New Testament calls it, some have fallen into Balaam's error. It's the spirit of greed. It's profiteering. It's, it's, it's people who are acting spiritual but are actually profiteering off of that. Making money where they shouldn't be making money. And it was a deep, deep problem. And so the Lord stood in the way and he rebuked him. So we don't have a lot of time. Go home and read the rest of the story. But here's what happened in a nutshell. Balaam's riding a donkey. It's like, you know, he's in his Toyota Corolla, you know, going. He's just in an everyday vehicle and he's moving around and he's on his way to his payday to be, quote, spiritual. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord stands in the middle of the path. Balaam can't see the angel, but the donkey can see the angel. So what the donkey does is, well, I'm not going there. And there's a detour. And he says, I'm going to take another route. You know, Brother Mike was telling me that the Kennedy was jam slammed today. There was a detour. He did a 180. He got off on the exit and came on over. You know how that goes. Google Maps, right? Except when it doesn't work. And then you're stuck. Okay. So anyway, there's a detour. So then a second time, he's on the new route. The angel of the Lord steps in there again. Donkey says, the donkey sees the angel. Balaam can't see him because his eyes aren't opened. And then the donkey rams his foot up against the wall trying to get away. Now his foot's hurting. Balaam still doesn't know what's going on. So the third time the donkey is, is going and all of a sudden the donkey sees the angel again. Now the donkey's just freaked out. So the donkey's like, I can't win. So the Bible says the donkey just laid down and sat down. Balaam gets off. He's upset, he's frustrated. He starts beating the donkey with the stick. Beating the donkey. And then the most crazy thing happens, one of the only times we see this in scripture, like Chronicles of Narnia rolls up in here. The donkey starts talking. The Bible says the Lord opened his mouth. The donkey turns to Balaam and starts saying, why are you hitting me? Now. No, no. The crazier part of the story is Balaam starts talking back and says, because you weren't doing what I told you to do. So we don't know what's crazier, the donkey or Balaam. Maybe this happens to him every day. I don't know what's going on. Okay. And the donkey, literally, there's a conversation. Go home and read it. The donkey says, have I ever done this to you in all the years that, that you've written me? He says, no. And then the Lord opens Balaam's eyes and he sees the angel of the Lord. And now he falls down on his face. Brothers and sisters, some of you here today are on detours and there's donkeys, detours and donkeys is what I'm calling it. And you keep beating the donkey. You keep blaming the donkey. The donkey, what does a donkey represent? It represents just everyday life. It represents just normal stuff that you wouldn't think God's trying to use to speak to you. And God's shutting it down. 
God's shutting it down. Maybe you keep trying to apply for the same job and God keeps shutting it down. And you're like, oh, those people and oh, that resume or that website application or the, the, the clothes I'm wearing, I gotta get, it must be the shoes. You're whatever, you're blaming everything else. You got all these excuses, all this relationship I'm in. Man, they don't, they don't really like calling me. They don't return my text messages. You know, I, I wanna be in the, maybe they're not returning your text messages because the Lord's shutting it down. But who knows? The donkeys are the everyday things of life, and there's a detour. God keeps trying to push you, keeps trying to push you, keeps trying to push you, but you're getting frustrated, 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 and the Lord is trying to correct you. The Lord is trying to discipline you as a good father, saying, I'm not asking, I didn't ask you to go that way. You, maybe you even disobeyed me. The sad thing as a pastor is some people spend years doing this. Years. They don't like that donkey, they get a new one. And the Lord shuts it down. Next year, same thing. They get another donkey, shuts it down. Another, and then God's patient. <laughs> he can outweigh all of us. He's eternal. And he's a patient and a good father. But can I admonish you two ways today? Don't test the Lord. But secondly, don't waste your life running from the Lord either. Don't try to keep doing it. He's disciplining you because he loves you. He's a good father. Amen. God disciplines us because he's trying to correct us. And if that's you today and you feel that uncomfortable tightness in your, in your chest right now, and you're stirred and you're, you're kind of like uncomfortable, that might be the Holy Spirit saying, this is you. Maybe you've been blinded, but close your eyes right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray if someone's here and their eyes have not been opened like Balaam, that you would open their eyes in the name of Jesus. Father, maybe they've been distracted. Maybe they've been played into a ploy of Satan. Father, in Jesus' name, may that fog be lifted, Lord. May they see the hand of God. May they see the will of the Lord. May all excuses and, 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 and double thinking and double-mindedness be removed in Jesus' name. Oh, God, you have an abundant life for your people. We receive your correction, Lord. The third point here, the third point, is that we're going to end on some good news here. The Father disciplines us so that he can delight in us. Can we all say delight? Mm -hmm. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Can we say delight again? Delight. It's a good word. It's better than discipline, right? We love delight better. Here's delight defined. Delight defined is this. It's to have a high degree of pleasure and satisfaction. That's what this word means. So it's, it's the Lord disciplines us. He corrects us. He trains us. He rebukes us. He educates us. So eventually he can take incredible pleasure out of our life so that he could be so satisfied and he could be full of joy and full of satisfaction and he could say, that's my son, that's my daughter. Delight, delight, delight. And listen, as a parent, this is a little parent parental note, it's better to correct now and delight later. Sometimes, here's what happens. When they're little cute and little tiny little babies and they're just wonderful, and just, you know, just innocent. All of a sudden you wake up and they're, they're throwing stuff at you, you know. They're saying no. They're fighting you. You know, and they're six months old. Just kidding. You know, like two years old, right? And there's, there's, because what happens is we look at this child and they can do no wrong. But 
They're innocent, but when they, as they mature, they become little sinners too, just like we are, okay? And as a parent, you have to, you have to own the God-given responsibility that you must discipline your child. Now, here's what happens. This is a cyclical thing. We see this. One person grows up in a home that's abusive. And because that home's abusive, these words are said all the time, I'm never gonna do that. So now the next generation comes and they have children and they're saying, I'm not gonna do that. And what can happen sometimes is literally the good parts of discipline are completely thrown out. And you, you feel like, well, I don't need to say no until they're later. They're not like teenagers and dealing with drugs and alcohol and sex. They're just, they're just saying, I don't wanna clean my room. What's the big deal? Well, if they look at you in the face when they're seven and say, I don't wanna clean my room, when they're 17, they're gonna say, I don't wanna follow your God either. I don't wanna follow your rules and I'm gonna to go to that party and I'm gonna get in that relationship and I'm gonna do whatever I can. And we know the years go fast. And so we have to recognize, you know what? They're cute little kids and we'll see some cuteness later. But for now, it's my responsibility to correct you. Not in anger. The Bible says the anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It's not being angry. Don't discipline your children in anger. Get away, take a moment, pray, get full of the Holy Spirit because Holy Spirit anointed discipline is always better than angry discipline, okay? Because when they feel the fear of God come through you and the Holy Spirit transfers from you to their little heart, I'm telling you, there's nothing that you can do that can, that can happen because you take your God-given post and all of a sudden, correction, holy correction is happening, okay? But you need to say, okay, I, I, I can't delight in this right now, but I'm gonna correct now. But I'll delight later because as the Bible says that if I love you, I'm gonna discipline you, I'm gonna correct you. Now, you might have adult children here and correction looks different than when they were eight, or 10 or teenagers. If you have grown children, maybe you have grandchildren, they still need you. It's different. They're on their own, you're not responsible for them but there might not be anybody else in their life that's gonna tell them the truth. There might not be anybody else in their life. There's no one else that's their father or their mother. And by the way, maybe you didn't do a good job when they were little. It's never too late to say, you know what, I didn't do better, I didn't do good back then, but now I know Jesus and here's what God says. I'm sorry for the past, I wasn't a perfect parent. Nobody is, but as for today, here's, what I, here's the best light I have and you tell them the truth to the glory of God because you wanna delight in them. Because then as a parent, later on you see a child who's full of God and doing the right thing, you take joy and pleasure and satisfaction in that. As many of you know, if you don't, my mom passed away. She went to be with the Lord uh, this last July, uh, 64 years old, my adopted mother. Uh, there was a little bit of confusion a couple weeks ago because I actually have my birth mom, I have a great relationship with her, and she was walking around and people thought she'd risen from the dead. I was like, no, 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 <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was like, no, 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 that's my birth mom. Like, I was like, I was so confused, Pastor Matt. I'm like, sorry, sorry. Okay. Great relationship with my birth mom. But my adopted mom, Carol Renault, uh, who I, I love dearly, uh, she had a, a 10 month battle with cancer and she went to be with the Lord uh, this last July. And I was thinking about this message and my mom and my dad, my, my mom had a real grace on her. She loves children and she would correct me as a young child all the time all the time. I mean, we had Saturday morning uh, chores and 
was my job to clean the floors, the wood floors. And man, you know, mom, she wouldn't let me use a mop because she said, you use a mop and you cheat. And I was like, I don't cheat. I really did. But she said, you don't cheat. She said, get the bucket, get the rag, get on your hands and knees. And I want you to get all the corners, you know, the gunk. And I was like, good gracious. And I couldn't go outside and play until I did it right. And she would correct me and say, no. And she would always say, it's better to do it once than to do it five times. And you know, this whole thing. And so I was reminded again of this, this something that was really beautiful. And she corrected me in a lot of ways and a lot of things. When we moved in this building in March, 2015, my mom came, we moved from Albany Park here and she came and she sat in the back there, right in the back row with my grandma, her mother. And my grandmother's father um, actually graduated from the Moody Bible Institute in 1917. There's a rich family heritage there. My grandma and my mom, they sat in the back and was able to show them the Kids Week of Adventure video that we were doing, what it was gonna look like. And um, it's actually, I'm sorry, that was, it was that fall right after we finished KWA. And um, it was amazing because my mom was so happy because she saw this little Nino, you know, that she had raised, this little guy she adopted and she corrected and had a lot of hard, difficult years. I wasn't an easy child to raise. She would say otherwise, but you know, and now she was able to delight because now these years later, her son's helping potentially thousands of children with one correctional constant moment. And I was, uh, we got word from my brother who was there and he said, you know, uh, mom is, they say she's not gonna last the week. I was overseas on some things for the business's mission for the Beyond Project, some partnerships we're building. And I said, okay, I'm coming back. I came back, got on a plane, went down to South Carolina and she was out of it. You know, cancer, if you've ever lost someone from cancer, you know, it's just horrible, it's horrible. All the, she's dying, you know, the body is just decaying and it's, it's a mess. And so, but I go in the room and my dad said, mom's awake. So I went in, I took a chair and I sat down next to her and she had a moment, she was awake and she looked, she looked at me, she couldn't talk. She was, you know, she had a breathing tube. But she looked me in the eyes and she said, she said, I love you and I'm proud of you. Now, what was interesting about this was this, as I was reflecting on this, even though she was sick, there was a sparkle in her eye because of this passage here. There was satisfaction and delight because she says, I've run my race and now I can delight in my child. Brothers and sisters, here's the thing. Our heavenly father, it might not be good today. The Lord's trying to discipline you. He sees your future and he wants to bring great delight. Now here's the last thing on this and then we're gonna take communion together. Why the Lord? What's the deal with this? Why? I know you want to delight, but what is, what, how does that help me? Look at the book of Hebrews. It says this. It says about the beautiful, it says, God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. So as he disciplines us, there's more of his nature. We become more like him. Chips off the old block, so to speak. And the Lord says, I want to delight in you, but we get to delight in him. You know why? Because we begin to look more like him. It's an amazing, amazing, and incredible privilege and opportunity. Can we all bow our heads and close our eyes here for a moment? Maybe you're here today and you've never actually given your heart to Jesus Christ. And we're talking about this heavenly father, but you yourself, 
You're like, Pastor Matt, I'm kind of on the outside looking in here. I don't know this good father. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, the, uh, I don't understand this good father. Well, the father sent his son to the earth 2,000 years ago. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was 100% man and 100% God. And he came down and he, he lived for 33 years and, he, and he, he, he went up on a cross and he was crucified and his blood was shed for us. The Bible says that without the forgiveness, without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness. God had to shed his blood for us so that our sins could be washed away. What the good news is three days later, he didn't stay dead, but he rose from the grave. He conquered death. And now he stands today, and there's a very common verse. It's in John 3, 16. It says, for God so loved the world, like the heavenly father, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The Bible also says in the book of Romans that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and fair, that he will forgive us of our sins and he will cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Having a clean heart from sin is not about going to church. It's not about doing a bunch of good things, but it's about accepting the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and saying, Jesus, I do accept you into my life and I want you to come and to cleanse me of my sin. And Jesus, I'm asking that you would do that. And if you're here today, before we participate in the Lord's Supper, because this is a, there's, there's some juice and some crackers here and, and we do this as a church family, as a, as a remembering of what the Lord did on the cross. But before we take that, I wonder if there's anybody here today that you would say, you know what, Pastor Matt, I, I wanna experience the love of this wonderful Father and I wanna accept Jesus Christ into my life and have my sins forgiven. Would you just raise your hand in the sanctuary so I could pray with you? If you'd say, that's me. Is there anybody here? I wanna give you that opportunity before we take of the communion together. You would say, that's me. I just wanna ask Jesus to come and to wash me of my sins. Is there anybody? I'll wait one moment. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Anybody else? My hand has been raised. I'll wait one more moment. Another hand's raised. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep your hands up. No one's looking around. God's looking, but just put your hand up again. If you raise your hand, just leave it nice and high for a second. Anybody else? You would sit right there. Thank you. You would say, I just want to ask Jesus to come into my heart to cleanse me of my sin. Thank you, my brother. Okay. You can put your hand down. Can we join hands across the seats? You can stay seated. Just take the hand of the person next to you to the left and to the right. For those of you who raised your hand, I'm gonna say a prayer. There's nothing magical about it, but I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. I'm not gonna say, I'm gonna lead you. And it's just a way of, you know, finalizing what you've already decided to do in your heart. And, and you can, I'm gonna pray now. You can pray after me. And as you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart and the Lord is gonna to come to you. So church family, can we pray together with them so they can be encouraged? Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you for this morning. And I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again from the grave. Would you receive me just as I'm receiving you? 
I give you my past and I give you my future. I invite you to come and to be the king of my heart. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your work, oh God. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, ourselves on the discipline spectrum, whether it's needing correction, whether we're in the school of difficulty, or maybe in the future we're going to go through it. Let's pray that we would be, we would surrender to God's discipline process, that we would experience his delight. So Father, we thank you today. Lord, we pray to the left and to the right, wherever we find ourselves, we want to experience the amazing delight of the Father. Lord, we want you to be pleased in us. We want you, God, to look at our lives and to experience God intense pleasure and satisfaction. Father, if there's anyone here today who have been running and resisting you, we thank you that because of this day and this communion Sunday and remembering you, this is a new start in you, Lord Jesus. So Father, we thank you and we trust you today. You're not going to harm us, but you're here to help us, Father. Oh, we love you and we bless you, God. If there's someone here who's in hardship and in Strengthen them today in Jesus' name. Strengthen them in your faithfulness. Lord, may they be full of hope and expectation that when your process is through, they will become more like you, Father. So we love you today. We bless you. Send us now with your traveling mercies. As you delight in us, may we delight in you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's put our hands together and thank the Lord this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Give a bunch of people a hug. God willing, we'll see you Tuesday night. God bless you.